Good morning, Rabotai. Good morning. Uh, breakfast today is sponsored in, uh, in honor of Lisa Tarzi by her husband Richard, uh, in loving memory of Natan Ben Rachel Marcus by his sons Martin and Robert Marcus, um, in loving memory of Cham Shaul Kassin Aleva Shalom Ben Mazal, sponsored by his son Morris Kassin, and uh, breakfast today as well, and the class in loving memory of Nisim Triko Aleva Shalom, Nisim Ezra Hayim Ben Sabiha and Yaakov. Alava Shalom, sponsored by his wife Rita Trico and his daughter Ariella Trico as well. Rabotai, we enter into Parashat Vaera with a bit more of a uh, positive outlook as to the outcome of the Jewish people's sojourn in the country of Egypt. We know that there's going to be, at this moment in time, a, uh, a, a reversal of their fortunes. 210 years they've been sitting here in Egypt, languishing in this prison. Uh, enslaved with the most difficult of work, and finally the moment comes, Vayidaber Hashem, and Hashem speaks harshly to Moshe Rabbeinu, Vayidaber Elohim El Moshe, and Elohim, which means the God of, of Deen, of Justice, speaks to Moshe, Vayomer Elav Ani Hashem. Fascinating this idea that Elohim begins the Pasuk, Elohim is also the God of Justice, the God of Judgment. So God starts off the pasuk speaking very uh, harshly to Moshe, and Vayomer, and then he softens his tone and says, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. What God is illustrating to Moshe Rabbeinu is that the most difficult moments in life are also part of a kind of plan that meant to take us to a specific destination. They're part of our destiny. So Moshe, you're asking me what's going on, what am I doing, what's happening? I'm referring to, I'm, I'm letting you understand that that is all for a softer end game. The beginning of the ten makot uh, then ensue in the parasha of Vayera. And Hashem says to Moshe, I need you to understand, you're going to speak to Paro, and Paro is not going to listen. Now I'm sure when Moshe hears those words, he's terrified, because that is Moshe's greatest fear. Like he keeps saying, I'm going to speak to Paro, and he's not going to listen. I'm going to speak to Paro. He says, don't worry, I know he's not going to listen. But it's going to take the ten plagues that I'm going to bring in order to uh, break Paro's stubborn nature and release the Jewish people from Egypt. But the question also is uh, uh, one which I think bears um, at least an analysis. Moshe's worried that Paro won't listen. Hashem says, don't worry, I'm going to do a bunch of makot, all of my miracles, and then Paro is finally going to listen. Now, could God not have had one giant makah that would have released the Jewish people from Egypt? Could he not have just told the Jewish people, walk out middle of the night, go down to the river, cross the ocean, just leave? Paro's soldiers would have followed them like we know what happened at the end of the story. They all would have drowned in the, in the Yamsuf like happened in the end of the story. Paro would have had no uh, army to chase them and Chalas, they would have been done. Why do we need to bother with all of these 10 miracles? What is the point? Why did he need to break Paro in this gradual way? Why was that part of God's uh, plan from the beginning? And the answer goes back to something else that the Midrash explains to us. The Midrash says that the, the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings the plagues, look in the Pasuk, the Pasuk mentioned this already, but Hashem says to Moshe, He says, don't worry, you have nothing to, nothing to fear. I established my covenant with the forefathers. 
וגם אני שמעתי את נהקת בני ישראל, ואולסו אני שמעתי את הפרס של היהודים של השם מצרים, מעבידים אותם, ואזכור את בניתי, ואני זוכר מי כוונת. זה נכון כל כך רחוק, לא רק לכל כוונת של יעקב ויצחק, שבוד אמר, אני רנוע, אני אשאר שמה שאמרתי אברהם יכול להיות איתך, אבל זה נכון לכל הראשון בנית עם אברהם אבינו. אברהם אבינו was promised by God that the, the children of Israel are going to go down into this Galut, but they would also be brought out. And what are they going to be brought out? They're going to be brought out with great gifts and with a, with a great inheritance. The Midrash explains that what is this great inheritance that they were talking about? In the same way that Abraham, he had 10 tests that he had to go through, each one of them that he needed to succeed at, so too the Jewish people would experience the 10 plagues. Now, I never understood this idea. What does this mean? Because of the 10 um, trials of Abraham, the Jewish people have 10 makot. What's the relevance? What? In merit of those 10 things, take me out with one, like we asked earlier. And the answer is that you really need to understand what it is that the makot were doing. What was the point of, in order of putting these makot in the, in, the, in the story of the leaving of Egypt? And the answer is that aside from the payback that was necessary for the Egyptians to get the retribution for all of their sins and all of their torturing of the Jewish people, there was a separate agenda. And that agenda was that Abraham asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he says, I don't understand, how is it that I'm going to know for sure that my children will merit to inherit this land? How is it that I know that my children will be in the place that I've achieved with all of my 10 trials? I've Uh, worked on myself through all of these uh, difficult circumstances to be an Eved Hashem. But you're telling me that my grandchildren are going to inherit this earth. How do I know what a Jew will look like in the fullness of time? And Hashem says, you need to understand, I'm going to build those people into uh, little mini Avrahams. The Hidushe Harim explains that when we say in the Biracha, Baruch Atah, Munai Magen Avraham, he protects Avraham. What we are saying is not that God protected Avraham a long time ago, but that God protects the spirit of Avraham that sits inside each and every Jew. If in the beginning of the Amidah we are saying that we believe that God is great and strong and Nora and awesome, this belief, we end that Beracha by saying, Thank you, Akadosh Baruch Hu, for protecting this feeling within us. that we can still relate to you in this uh, uh, elevated and exalted way, that we can look to you in the most difficult of times and know that you will be there to help us and to save us. So the 10 makot, each one of them, it, although the Jews had been broken down, they were now able to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu's dominion sequentially illustrated over every single element, element of the entire creation. You have water which was struck by dam, by the blood. You have the reptile kingdom, which is Sephardea. You have the animal kingdom, which is Dever, which is ultimately as well struck in Barad. You have the air itself, which is struck during Kinim. You have light, which is extinguished during Choshech. You have darkness, and for the Jewish people was Or Every single element, the winds we used, the stars and the sky were blotted out during each Makkah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu illustrated to the 
Jewish people. Umalchuto, like we say in the Tefillah on Rosh on Rosh Hashanah Kippur, Umalchuto bechol mashallah, and God's dominion is in every single area. That which had been taken from the Jews throughout the process of Egypt, Hakadosh Baruch Hu va'eskor et biriti. I remembered not just the prayers that I heard from the Jews, which will allow me to de- deliver them from where they are, but I remembered what I promised them all those years ago that they will leave with a great rechush, with a great inheritance. More than anything else, what was the inheritance of Abraham Avinu? Not the land that he gave, not anything else, but that he bequeathed himself. More than anything else, what do we want to give over to our children? Not a company that we built, although that's important. Not the house or the apartment that we left in wherever. The most important thing we want to give to our children is a piece of ourselves. That that should live on forever. Baruch Atah Hashem Magen Avraham. So therefore, explains the Midrash, these ten makot were in the merit of the ten trials that Avraham managed to, to obtain. One idea that we are constantly revisiting is that the concept of of punishment and reward in Judaism is not a tit-for-tat relationship. It's not that God says, if you did something good, I'm going to give you a dollar. If you did something bad, I'm going to take a dollar. But rather, that there is an energy, a life force that we emit in this world. When it is of a positive nature, then what happens? Then in this world, something positive comes back to us. The result of it, or in the next world, we've built something into ourselves, into our souls, which is part of our reality. And that therefore influences the way that we live and the way that we'll, we'll be even in the world to come. HaKadosh Baruch Hu never ever forgets. How long has it been since that Berit that Avraham was promised? It's 400 years. Although 210 in Egypt, but that first biracha went all the way back when Abraham was promised bit ben Abitarim that he would have Yitzhak, which then began the 400 years of Abraham transitioning to when the Jewish people would leave Egypt as a people. I want to share and add one last thing. You know, the Pasuk tells us that Abraham and Sarah, they did a lot of work. They made many nefeshot, they made, brought many people to Teshuvah in Haran. But after they leave Haran, we don't hear about these people anymore. And that's a super important element, Rabotai. I need you to understand. These are people that did Teshuvah. Who was their teacher? Not Shlomo Farhi, not to some rabbi who's uh, living in 2018. Avraham Avinu, maybe the greatest Sadiq that ever lived. The greatest, most uh, 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 engine, if you will, for good. He's running around teaching the whole world, he's a lone soldier. He's a lone warrior. And yet the people that he teaches, when he moves out of Haran, we don't read about them anymore. They disappear into some sort of an abyss. Tov, according to Kabbalah, we have understandings about what happened to them. But at least on the, on the normal Peshat understanding, where did they go? And the answer is, Rabotai, that Abraham began again. Because although he was a self-starter and a self-motivator, the people who he had taught, they were not self-motivated. They had not learned for themselves. They, in fact, were students of someone who had learned. And when Abraham moved away and the influence and the inspiration left them, then they went back to the way that they were. Abraham asks HaKadosh Baruch Hu with a great fear, How will I know? How will I know that my great-grandchildren will be the same way? And God says to Abraham, If that's what you want, 
That's a much more a deeper process. That's re-encoding DNA. That's Magen Avraham, that's protecting that every Jew should have in him not a Yitzchak and not a Yaakov because they were born to Sadiqim. Rather, God says to Avraham, I will produce for you children that are themselves Avrahams. That if everyone else around them sails, they still will be able to hold on if they reach inside themselves and touch you, God. That happens, therefore, through the process of the ten makot that are related to the ten trials of Avraham. Once the Jews saw that on a national level, it was seared into uh, their, their experience. And Rabotai, thousands of years later, we are in uh, exiles through so many countries. We've been through so many ideologies that have uh, you know, come and gone within the world's psyche. And yet this, the Jewish religion and all of its adherence to its Torah and mitzvot are still here. Look at how powerful that experience of the Jewish people was. Says, Abraham, says God to Moshe, you're asking me what's going on with the Jewish people. How come I haven't delivered them already? You don't understand, he says harshly to Moshe. What I'm trying to do here is not because of Elohim. Elohim el Moshe vayomer. And he says softly, Ani Hashem. The name of God, Yud Kevavke, indicates that God is Hayah, Hoveh, and Yihyeh. He was, he is, and he will be. Hashem says to Moshe, you're thinking about right now. You want me to release the Jews right now. You can't wait one more second. You spoke to Paro for five seconds. It didn't get better. You want to rip off the band-aid. Hashem says, you're not thinking like I'm thinking. I'm thinking forever and ever and ever. Ani Hashem. What can I do and implant in the Jew that will allow that his emunah will supersede, will uh, uh, overcome everything that is ever thrown at him? Va'eskor et biriti, and I remember my covenant. Baruch Adonai le'olam.